and welcome to episode 74 of the Single Mother Survival Guide podcast. My name is Julia Husher and I'm the host of this show. I'm so excited that you're here today and welcome back if you're a regular listener and if you haven't listened to this podcast before, then I want to wish you a very big welcome. So I can't even believe that we're almost halfway through January already. (laughs) Oh my gosh, this year's going to fly again. (laughs) Don't you think that as soon as you have kids, the years just go so quickly? Can't even believe it's 2018 now. Insane. Anyway, before I get into this week's episode, which, oh my gosh, I'm so excited for you guys to hear this. I had the best chat with my guest today. But I just wanted to remind you, I mentioned this last week, but in case you missed it, I am opening the doors. Well, the doors are now open for the Don't Just Survive, Thrive online course for single parents, which is all about finding empowerment. And it's really for those kind of single parents who feel like they are in a bit of a rut, I guess, you know, like every day is the same. There's nothing kind of exciting happening. You feel like there should be more to life, but you don't really know how to make a change. Those who are sort of struggling to feel optimistic and positive about the future. And just like you feel like every day is just Groundhog Day, like it's just working, looking after kids, dealing with an ex, repeat, you know. So it's for it's for those single mums. And if you're a brand new single mum and you're listening to this, I've actually got a course coming very soon, which is for the brand new single mum. But this is for those who have probably been single for a little while. And look, I believe that we can all live a really fulfilling and happy and empowered life. And even as single mums, you know, like that doesn't have to hold us back. It's not about making excuses and saying, oh, you know, my life is like this because I'm a single mum. It's going, my life is bloody amazing and I'm a single mum. It's all about getting empowered. So as I said, this program is for mums who have been separated from their partner or spouse for a little while and they're just feeling a little bit lost and flat and bored and sort of lacking direction and not feeling very strong and empowered. And I'll just tell you a little backstory before I go into the interview with with my guest very quickly. But, you know, when I became a single mum in 2013, I really hit rock bottom. I felt sad. I felt disappointed. I felt ashamed. I felt angry, I felt overwhelmed, I felt confused, I felt so many emotions and I just felt like this is not how my life was supposed to turn out, you know, I can't believe this happened to me. Even though it was ultimately my decision to end the relationship, I still felt devastated and I grieved for the life that I was supposed to have, you know, the the one that I thought I was supposed to have. And I grieved for my daughter and I grieved for the future that she would never have. And it took some time for me to really feel great again. And I started implementing some strategies that did ultimately turn my life around. And I never expected that, you know, by implementing these strategies, I would so quickly feel happy and alive and positive and excited about the future and empowered. 
but I did. And, you know, I still do. I feel happier than I've ever been. I feel more alive than I've ever been. And I feel totally and utterly empowered. And I believe that we can all feel like this. I want us to all feel like this, including you. And that's exactly why I put this course together. So I really just got everything that I used and packaged it up in this course. So from doing this course, you're going to feel positive and optimistic about the future. You're going to feel confident in yourself. You're going to feel clear in who you are and have really, you know, get to know yourself and discover your identity again and love yourself. You know, self-love is such a big thing that holds so many of us back and we really need to learn to be our own best friends. It's also about balance and how to implement it into your life and how to be an amazing role model for our children, you know, brimming with sort of positivity and direction and confidence and having goals and being excited about working on them and reaching them with focus and direction and, of course, reaching the ultimate which is empowerment, you know? So that's what this course is all about. So if you want to create a positive mindset, if you want to find balance in your life, if you want to find your true, authentic, empowered self and love yourself, and if you want to establish and carry out new goals with focus and direction, then this course is for you. So the doors are closing very, very soon. They are closing in five days. The course kicks off on the 15th of January, 2018. It's an eight-week course. Um, there are four modules and each one has loads of lessons within that module. So they're a mixture of videos and worksheets and reading material. You can have the freedom to study it at your own pace. And once you've got access, you know, you've got un unlimited and lifetime access to that course. So that's what it's all about. And of course, free downloadable resources. So to sign up, just... Go to the link in the show notes and you can sign up right there. So 15th of January, eight weeks, and it is $279. But I can assure you that you will get your money's worth. So I know that it's stressful. Finances are stressful for single parents. And that's why I really wanted to make this course as cheap as I could. And this course is just packed with information that I know can turn your life around. And I do know that every time I've invested in myself, it's been absolutely worth it, you know. So, of course, at the end of the day, the decision is yours. Um, you know, I know that it is an investment, but I can assure you that it is worth it. Anyway, let's get into this week's episode I'm so excited for you guys to hear this episode. I had the best chat with my guest today. It is, of course, Pinky McKay. She's an absolute legend and I hope you guys love this episode. Okay, let's get into it. My guest today is a lactation consultant and best-selling author of four titles, including Sleeping Like a Baby, Parenting by Heart, and Toddler Tactics. She is also a gentle parenting expert that guides parents to use styles that honor mother's natural instincts to respond to their babies. She's also a sought-after guest and keynote speaker at seminars for health professionals and parents. And she has spoken across Australia, New Zealand, 
and the United States. Her reach extends worldwide through her tele-seminars, blogs, and her highly engaged Facebook pages, her fan page, and of course, her booby bickies page, and she is a regular on national publications and television programs. I'm so excited that you're here, and welcome to the show, Pinky McKay. Thank you, Julia. I'm honoured you've asked me. Oh, I'm just thrilled. I know you're an incredibly sought-after and busy woman, so I really appreciate your time today. Oh, thank you. So I wanted to start by asking you a little bit about, well, first of all, I've read your Toddler Tactics book and I just loved it. And unfortunately, my daughter's four. I wish I had read this when she was one. There is, and it, it just covers everything. Like, it's incredible. The, the thing that I actually loved, which was right at the end, was the chapter on love, laugh, enjoy, which I think is just something that we forget to do sometimes, to just be in the moment and have fun with our kids. I think, yeah, I think we, we, we're all trying to do so many things. There's so much pressure on parents to get everything right whatever right might mean but we forget about that fun we're doing so many things for our children that you know it's good to just create those memories and have some you know beautiful fun because that's the thing that kids remember they don't remember that their clothes were ironed or their you know they had a three-course natural dinner or whatever else yeah all those things are nice I suppose but they don't care. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we need practical stuff we can do. And I think toddler tactics came out of, I started writing things. I was writing for um, newspapers and I used to write for The Age in Melbourne and I was interviewing all these experts and without the internet, we didn't have access to that information. And they were so academic that I would be saying to them, look, I'm a mum with a three-year-old. What do I just do? Yeah. <laughs> You know, I wanted to know practical stuff. Yes. Um, Yeah, but it is the fun. We need the fun. We do. And I think, honestly, as like single parents, and the listeners are obviously single mums mostly, I think it's really, really hard for me. Like I speak for myself when I say that, you know, I do everything around the house and I feel like there's always something to do and I really have to kind of consciously go, okay, just stop for a minute. It doesn't matter if dinner's half an hour late and just sit and play. Yeah, that's right. Or if you just have cheese on toast tonight. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't matter. Or cereal for breakfast. Yeah, for dinner. (laughs) You wouldn't do it all the time, but sometimes you just have to cut yourself a bit. Or cut yourself a bit of slack. Another fun one is dinner in the bath. Ooh, I like that. In the bath, you know, and then you give them food in the bath and it might even just be a sandwich and some yogurt that's um, brilliant you and know, you got all the mess is contained plug hole. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not again it's not something you do all the time but it's a bit of a treat for the child yeah it's also a treat for you because it's been fun yeah you know, exactly that, you know what am I doing I have to clean up and she still needs my attention and you know, and once she's finally in bed, then I'll go back and clean up and wash pots and whatever. You you know, sometimes you can take really fun shortcuts. Yeah, I really like that. Um, the other thing that I really loved in your book was the chapter on mums, I can't remember the name of the chapter, but it was about mums sort of looking after themselves and recognising when and why they're losing it at their kids. And that yeah. it's normal to kind of just get sort of completely 
overwhelmed with anger and frustration and that it is sort of often due to the fact that we it's hard that we lose our control and like you know we tell our child to do something and they don't do it it can be really infuriating and you just like just do it damn it and when you start to you know i mean yelling for instance is a natural action yeah. when we feel threatened or stressed and if you do find yourself yelling or becoming angry you really need it doesn't mean you're a horrible parent it means you need to think about what do I need to fill my tank so that I actually feel a bit calmer? Yeah. Because when you're doing everything, like you say, with a single parent, my, my um, husband used to travel a lot for work and I'd be the only one. I had five kids, you know, I had teenagers and a toddler. And I'd, <laughs> and I'd be thinking, oh, crap. You know, yeah. everything from the haircuts to the clipping the toenails to the, you know, what groceries do I have to buy? Um you know, you're hypervigilant all yeah. the time you're on and you must, you know, you must be like that when there's nobody else yeah. around to pick up any slack. And even if there is a partner, quite often people have to think for that partner and ask what yeah. they'd like to, you know. And it's reaching out if you can or sharing with friends or, um, you know, seeing what you can do to lighten your own load and be kind to you so that, you actually don't have so much adrenaline in that system that's just going to, you know, something that might hit you on a Richter scale at two or three when you're feeling calm might go to a 10. It yeah. Don't put the shoes on to go out the door and you know you have to be <laughs> somewhere on time, like work even. And yeah, it just suddenly it's too much and you explode. And I think, you know, when that's happening, if you are exploding or yelling, um, and it feels wrong for you, you know, occasionally you'll probably yell just to be heard and it's no big, you know, you'll apologise to your child. I'm not saying it's right to go around yelling, but, you know, if you're finding you're feeling really tense and stretched or having anxiety or whatever's going on for you, it's really probably time to firstly have a health check, you know, check your iron levels, your thyroid levels, your vitamin D levels and see how you can, how you can, what you can I would say delete delegate and simplify mm. you know, what can you offload can you share with a friend that's you know going through similar things and one really fun thing is having supervision like going to a friend's house and sharing a task together you know if you're with a friend and you fold her washing or she comes to your house you fold the washing together or you cook up a big batch of food together and yes. up, you know things that you can do and you'll find you're both being nice to your children because a you've got support but b you've also got supervision you're probably going to be a better person yeah than you would be if you were home alone I think it's brilliant I, I loved I remember reading that tip that you gave about the um having some friends over some mums with kids and kind of having a cook up or something and one person can do all the stuff and the other people can occupy the kids I think that's brilliant and it's also like less cooking it's fantastic I mean there is actually a, um, a group called Mama Bake that started but I used to do this with a friend um you know when my own kids were small I lived in New Zealand we lived near an orchard and we'd go together to the orchard the kids would run wild and we'd get fruit and come back and we'd, um, you know, we'd do some preserving or we'd make some jam or something that you normally wouldn't do if you're just home alone. You know, if you're on yeah. your own, you can't be making jam with kids running around. There's yeah, who has time for that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it would kind of be a nice outing for the day. Yeah. But it would be a bit more productive than just, you know, taking the kids to the park. Yeah. I love that idea. I think it's brilliant. Mm. Fantastic. Um. 
Now, what I wanted to ask you about is uh, sort of talk a little bit about uh, separation anxiety, because I know that for a lot of single mums, it's something that brings them a lot of anxiety as well to think that, or maybe their baby's growing up and soon their their baby might be doing overnights with their dads or, you know, maybe they're toddlers and they're quite attached to their mothers and then they have to sort of say goodbye and there's not really a choice in the matter, you know, like some of these things are court ordered or, you know, that's it's also something that, um, you know, it's great for kids to have a relationship with both parents regardless. But, um, yeah, like how how can we help our kids deal with that sort of separation anxiety? Having something that, look, first of all, being really sensitive to the kids' separation anxiety and that short, frequent, um, you know, at least a couple of times a week, short visits with the partner, the ex-partner or the other parent um, are really better than having a long gap between and then having a full weekend or an overnight. That can be just so disruptive and so stressful for the child. Mm. So having these short ones... And also having something that goes to both houses, you know, that they have the same pyjamas or they have a toy that they can take with them, that you have rituals around goodbyes and hellos for, you know, young children um, and trying to keep that communication up. It's not always nice. And like I say with court-ordered stuff, I find, you know, the breastfeeding toddlers, it's huge for them. And, you know, personally I go, what the hell do you need an overnight with a child under two who still might be breastfeeding through the night, getting molars, having separation anxiety, you know, all of that thing. Can yeah. be, it can make them all clingy. It can upset the relationship with that other parent in the long term. And I have actually written affidavits for, um, you know, I'm a lactation consultant. It fits within my brief as an mm-hmm. authority to do that. Um, written affidavits for women who have had you know, they're, they're going to court to try not to get an overnight for these young children. Yeah. And it's, you know, if the mother has some um, issues with her milk supply, I mean, it's really hard in court because you don't necessarily get people who even honour breastfeeding at any age, let alone for a 12, two, two, 12 months to two-year-old or even older. And I've actually had the overnights, been able to support that mother so that overnights have not been accepted. Um, the oldest was a two-year-old. Yeah. And, you know, that, that these children needed it. And look, if the child has any compromising medical issues, perhaps allergies, you know, you would need yeah. evidence, you would need a GP or someone to say that, you know, your child's having allergy testing or they suspect an allergy of some sort um, for that. But then this means that that child is staying with the, the you know, the, the primary parent that has yeah. overnight. And the other partner you know, be it one couple was actually a lesbian couple, but that the other partner has that child for shorter periods. And there's nothing wrong with having them, you know, during the day and they can go and have fun and um, enjoy that partner. But also explaining that if you push that child too hard too soon, you're going to get upset with the partner that they're going to visit. So yeah. it's in the long term for that relationship that it's done at the child's pace as much as possible. Yeah, I think that's a really good point because I just think it's so sort of unfair and Ooh. distressing for everybody involved when the when the baby or the toddler is breastfeeding or is still really young or even co-sleeping, 
you know, and then yes. they have to yes. just go and, you know, just get out of their sort of comfort zone. And depending on what the other relationship is like, because often, you know, in a relationship, if they're usually a male partner can't cope with the intense needs of a baby that that, you know, new mother is needing to do. She's either breastfeeding or co-sleeping or whatever she needs to do and she's following a pretty gentle, attached sort of parenting style and then they get that, they arc up because that's not how they wanted to parent. Mm. And she's making that child too dependent. Yeah, it's happened so often. It happens a lot and and that child is actually, the mother's meeting the child's needs and that child is going to be more secure in the long run, Um, you know, but it's really hard, I guess, partners, you know, feel left out or they've got their own mother in their ear because she read them differently. Um, They might have attachment disorders themselves. There's all sorts of, such a complex thing. And then they... um, blame the mother for this child being so attached whereas the child needs to be attached that's the basis of you know having a good healthy attachment to a primary carer is important for their you know lifelong well-being and mental health yeah exactly we don't need to be rearing kids with personality disorders like the parent that thinks they you know who's got one yeah exactly really awful and derogatory but quite often that's actually the you know the case yeah. And I think it's scary. Like none of us want to raise a child with, you know, mental health health issues or drug addictions and oh, what am I, you know, have I screwed yeah. them up now because of this? It's um <laughs> it's really quite scary. Look, there's so many factors, you know, and teenagers experiment and everything else. You can't go beating up yourself on yeah. everything your child does, you know. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to meet other people along the way. It's not all about you. Even though it feels like and in particular if you're the only parent or you're the primary parent doing the caring, it really does feel that so much is depending on you getting it perfect. Yeah, totally. Mm. But I think with little ones, honouring that separation anxiety and being gentle with them through it and sometimes, you know, rather than dropping them off to the other parent, if the other parent can take them out, you know, for short periods, walk around the block, a trip to the park, build it up gradually. Yeah. It's, um, what's I going to ask you? What do you think is a sort of good age to start doing overnights? Like definitely over two? Oh, I would say four or five, to be yeah. quite honest. And there's yeah. some research that's come out of Latrobe University saying that, you know, it's really not appropriate or safe for preschoolers. Yeah, so right. To check that out. Um, I would say that would be good ammunition if you want to support your child. I mean, some children will be ready younger. Other, and it depends on the relationship they have with their other parent mm. and, you know, and the, and the personality and temperament of that child. Whereas, And what they've been through on the way to the separation, if they've experienced some, you know, really disruptive behaviour between parents and fighting in court and stressed out, you know, I mean, as the, as the primary parent, you, you know, the single mum, you can be very stressed out and kids are a barometer of our stress, whatever's yeah. going on for us. And so that child may need time for emotional um, healing, security, whatever, before they're ready to take a step away. Yeah. It's a safe place. And I would say, you know, even, even some school-aged children might go through stages where they don't want to go 
to daddy's house. You know, there can be all yeah. sorts of things, and depending whether daddy's got a new relationship, how that other person is responding to the child. It's so hard, though. But like, I think you know, as a child of divorce myself, I I used to like we. My parents sort of had fifty fifty of my brother and I. And it was all quite disruptive as we were sort of growing up. And in high school, I said, no, this is too much moving around. I want to do week and week because we were moving three times a week every couple of days, you know. So it was really full on. You'd never have your own stuff in your own place. Yeah, we were just constantly. I mean, both of our houses were really well set up. Like they were ours. We didn't need to bring all our clothes or anything like that. But it was just like busy, you know. It was just really busy. But, you know, it was it was fine while it happened. I got used to it, you know, my brother did too. But as I got older and, you know, I was sort of getting into about to do my HSC and all that sort of thing, was, you know, probably year 10 or something and I just said, no, I don't want to, this is just too much. But I know that I used to, if my mum was annoying me or I'd had an argument with her, I'd ring my dad and I'd be like, I want to come back to your house and the other way around, you know. like. <laughs> <laughs> my parents always stood their ground and they're like no you have to stay there you know <laughs> well that's good that they were uh you know a strong yeah. Team, yeah really yeah. That, that is healthy yeah it's hard because I think for a lot of mums they don't know what to do like if my daughter <laughs> rang me and said I want to come home you know maybe not now I'd probably get her because she's only four but you know as a teenager it's hard to know like hmm do I <laughs> daddy, daddy just given her some really sensible rules and she's yeah he's just like turned the television <laughs> off or taken off taken her ipad away and she's yeah. like <laughs> Damn you! I'm leaving. Yeah, exactly. How many teenagers say to their parents, "I'm leaving home anyway"? I know. <laughs> At least you've got somewhere to go. Where you're going to be supervised. You're not to your mate's house, are you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, parenting oh, is just hard. It's hard work, and it's changing so much with social yeah. media, with the way kids can communicate with mobile phones, and um, you know, there's so much more. I've got 18 years between my oldest and my youngest. So with my older kids, you know, there were no mobile phones. The phone was in the kitchen. Yeah. Um, they, you know, all their conversations, well, they had to be reasonably um, guarded, I suppose. You know, yeah. They said when their mother could be peeling potatoes. One exactly. <laughs> Whereas with the younger one, you know, at 14 he was saying to me, oh, can I go into the city on Friday night, you know, with, 16, 17, 18 year olds he's met on the school bus, you know, on the <laughs> home or oh connected with on Facebook. Oh, what was it? It was something not Facebook before Facebook and MySpace or I don't know, something like that before. Yeah. But they'd all communicate with each other. And I used to think, and I just said to him, No, you can't. And he said to me, Why not? I said, Because I love you. And he went, Huh? And I can't think about it. And then he'd come back, You're just an overprotective mother. And I went, Yep, that's me. <laughs> I'll be your best friend if you let me go. Like teenagers try it on you. And I said, I don't need any new best friends. I'm your mother and it's my job to keep you alive till you're 25. And then shortly after that, I read that, you know, their brains weren't even mature till they were 25. Well, it, oh, my it, gosh. My doubts, but, you know. That's so funny. But you do have to, you know, with your little ones, it's it's really their needs and wants are pretty similar. You know, they yeah. They need and you know there will be disappointment when you tell them they can't have one more wiggles dvd or whatever it is you know yeah you, you it's fairly basic but 
you know, as they get older, they can push you and you, you really do have to flip to being quite strong, yeah. particularly if you're a single mum. You know, you do have to be. Um, yeah. I think. You know, and hang in there. I think something that a lot of single mums struggle with, and I went through a phase like this with my daughter where we kind of lost I kind of lost, this is probably really the wrong terminology, but like the power, if you like, as the Mm. sort of boss. And she, my daughter was just out of control. And I went to speak to a professional with her. Um, And, you know, this woman, she was so great. She just said, I think, you know, and this is sort of something that can happen with single moms is that you're you're treating your daughter almost like a friend you know like you're saying to yeah. you're saying things even in the terminology like what should we do today rather than okay today we can either do this or this you know like if people are in a partnership they might decide together what what they're doing and then they just tell the kids whereas yeah. i was very flexible and i was like oh what should we have for dinner what should we do this and she kind of forgot that i was in charge and mm. you know so it's now i've kind of re reworked how I speak to remind her that I'm I'm in charge. You're in charge, <laughs> but you don't have to be a bully. You know, it's, yeah, exactly. It's a fine line to walk. And like you say, would you like to do X or Y and giving toddlers choices that are acceptable to you? Yeah. Open-ended questions. And I mean that works for all toddlers because they really don't have the capacity to make, you know, it's almost think like that. Responsibility for them to give them that that much choice. Yeah. Yeah, it is. You know, what would you like to wear today? And, um, you know, they'll get changed all day long and drag clothes all around the house, you know, whereas you're better off saying, do you want to wear the red shirt or the blue shirt today? And, you know, do you want to wear your runners or your um, sandals? You know, whatever, you know, getting used to giving them choices, but just tiny choices. Yeah. That still helps them become a decision maker, but, you know, they... You're just limiting the options. You're limiting the options for them. And you're also still giving them... You know, you've got the boundaries and they know you're in charge and I think they feel safe knowing you're in charge. Yeah, I totally agree. They want boundaries and they need boundaries and, yeah. Mm. I wouldn't have to do it in a cruel way or a bossy way. No, Mm. no. And something else that's really changed over the years is the sort of opinion on uh, smacking and that sort of thing. And it's funny because a lot of my friends who are in a relationship with the other parent of their child, they might disagree with the other parent. Like they might, the mum might not believe in smacking, but the dad does. Yeah. But then they kind of can work it out because they're in a relationship. And I think it's so hard. Like for instance, for me, I do not believe in smacking and I don't like it. And I don't think that it really achieves anything. And it was really interesting actually to read in your book that it actually doesn't work. Like it's not, I can't remember the statistic that it was, but it was something like something fivefold. Um, I can't remember, but it was yeah, like. Yeah, the increase in toddler uh, or sibling violence is really. Yeah. Smacking you know, culture in your home, uh, you know, you're as parents smacking, you're modelling for those children, you're imprinting. Yeah. And, and exactly. also I think when we're. Um, you know, smacking little girls, for instance. I know I don't want to sound too sexist, but are we teaching them that that man who's so important in their life, that father, it's all right for him to hit her? Mm. What about when she gets a partner? Will she justify that 
she deserved it. Yes, exactly. You know, it's it's about bodily autonomy. It's about, um, you know, and for me, I'm, I'm like you, I think with smacking, assault's assault, whatever the relationship yeah. with that person or the age of that person. So, but it, it's really about learning new skills too because, yeah. you know, I grew up with God smacks, my you know, I went back to New Zealand for a holiday. My kids were there and my daughter, had, my, my sister had cleaned out my bungalow at my mother's house for um, the girls to sleep in. And she'd actually found three leather straps that I'd hidden, you know, yelks ago when I was a kid at high school. I was still getting hit by my mother. My dad never laid a hand on me, but, you know, and he's dead now. But, um, sorry, you know, and they looked at my little tiny white-haired mother who's well in her 80s. I mean, she's nearly 90 now, but she was well in her 80s then. And said, did you really hit mum? Because I I'm not a smacker, and um, she said I had to. She was a very naughty girl, and I look it's a generational thing, and I think it takes so much. And for me, I had to really learn. I think it's like learning a second language, you know, yeah. to fill up so that you've got other tools to, mm. um, you know, discipline get to that point. You know, that yeah. you guide your children without actually belting them. And although I've never had a toddler, one of my boys was about twelve, and he was watching boxing and it was the Olympic Games and he was getting really carried away sitting right close to the television and I walked up and turned it off and put my hand on his shoulder and said oh, mate you know let's have a break from this I really don't like you know the way that you're carrying on here yeah and he um immediately leaned forward and turned it back on and I whacked him across the shoulder and said leave that bloody thing off I hate violence well he looked up at me and laughed his head off he's very quick yeah it took me a few minutes to think why is this kid laughing at me and I went (laughs) that is the stupidest thing ever you know (laughs) whacking your kids saying I hate (laughs) really stupid but you know and we all make mistakes we do like learning that second language but because you haven't you've tried harder with your own child I'm not saying that you've never ever hit them but you've tried harder they have other things in their toolbox yeah. And, you know, my daughter, for instance, got an 11-year-old that she's never, ever hit. And, you know, she is a psychologist, so she's got a few more things in her toolbox than I ever had. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, she didn't get hit as a child. So she hasn't got that as her, I guess, automatic. You know, yes. when, when we rest, we go on to automatic and, you know, anything can happen. Whereas we can't just justify if we're doing things that don't feel right for us. I think it's really... You know, let's do a parenting course. Maybe we read a book. Maybe we talk to a friend about it. Because the first time even you yell at your child, you know, there might be a toddler and you might yell and they'll burst into tears and you'll burst into tears and you'll feel terrible. Yeah. Um, but, I, but it's harder when you've got another parent who doesn't live in that house who you probably don't have great communication with. And, you know, they think they're doing the right thing. So I think you really do have to discuss this. I mean, I had... Yeah, a mum a little while ago who was terribly upset because her husband living they were living together, but he'd smacked the two year old, and you know he hadn't beaten the two year old; he's given it a whack. Um, which again, I'm not saying is okay, but I said to her, "Had you ever had the conversation?" Mm. He said, "Oh, actually, no." Yeah, he's not a mind reader. He's got his own toolbox that he's grown up with. So I think it's really important. And even if you need a mediator to sit and talk about your parenting toolbox, what's in, what's out, what's a deal breaker, what are the grey areas, and what else can you learn or can you talk to friends whose kids you like who seem to be doing quite well with their kids? Um, 
you know, there's lots of ways of looking for more support and how can we build up our own toolbox? Yeah, I think it's a great thing to bring up in mediation, actually, because it's probably not something that you would consider, but it's really important, I think, to sort of be on the same page. And I have to say, my ex and I are not very good at that. And he's, no, um, he's, he's like a smacker. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's so true. But he, um, yeah, like he's a smacker and it just upsets me because I know how much it upsets my daughter. And she said to me the other day, which it was actually really sad, but I thought it was hilarious as well. I couldn't stop laughing, but I was like in my head. Um, she goes, mommy, I love you to the sun and back or something. And I was like, oh, I love you too to the sun and back. And she goes, and we're in the car and she goes, I love daddy to that tree over there and back. And I said, <laughs> I was like, what? I said, don't say that. You love daddy more than that. That's not very much. And she goes, fine to the sign and back which was like a meter further and I was like oh my god but she said it's because he smacks me and I was like you know and I know how much it upsets her and actually you know I've tried to talk to him about it and he's just so on a different page to me there's no it's like the more I would actually try to try to teach him why it's not good that he would actually do it just to spite me if that makes sense just because yeah, he knows I don't yeah. like it which but is bad isn't it it's yeah. really sad and you just kind of you know there's not much you can do and my daughter recently went to um, Queensland with her dad to visit his parents and it's only the second time that she's met them and stayed with them and she came back and I said how was it and she said it was really good and she said but I really don't like granddad and I said why and she said well he basically he sort of threatened he said something um you know get inside now or I'm gonna smack your bottom and she she got really upset about it because she didn't know this guy very well and she said she just went to her room and she cried and she said I didn't tell anyone I was crying but I was just crying and I was like that's so sad I know and it just infuriated me because I thought who are you like you barely know your granddaughter, you know, and, you know, if anyone's going to smack her, it's going to be me, but I'm not going to, you know, yeah. but like, yeah. I, it's just horrifying that you have basically a stranger who happens to be a family member, like threatening that to your child, just yeah. like, oh, it's awful. Yeah, I mean, what's wrong with saying, come inside, we're going to have dinner soon. Yeah, exactly. You know, you don't have to say that, but, um, but they don't have those skills in their toolbox and that's probably why your ex doesn't have those skills in his toolbox. Yeah, it's a, and it's a generational thing and that's how he was yeah. brought up. And I was smacked as a child too, but I, I don't it know. It's a generational just... thing and that's what people thought and they thought that if they didn't smack their children, there was no discipline. I mean, even when my kids were growing up, I got hell because I wouldn't smack them mm. because they were all going to be, you know, feral, wild savages, I guess. Yeah. Because even my own mother said to me one day about one of my sons, she said, oh, I can't believe how considerate he is. You wouldn't even smack him. And I just looked at her, and he was about 25 at the time, and I just said, um, oh, mama takes a long time to grow a man. I just, I thought, <laughs> what is the point? Yeah. You yeah. can't even get through to them that, um, you know, there is no need to smack a child to teach them how to, because really disciplines about teaching it comes from the latin meaning to teach it you know it's about teaching what you do want and helping them be considerate to other people you don't have to belt it into them no exactly and i feel like it's hypocritical yes yeah yeah now something i wanted to ask you about because this is what just happened to me this morning 
Mm-hmm. So I was having this conversation with my daughter. We're in the bathroom brushing our teeth and she said, mummy, um, I, there's a boy in my class, Harry, I don't like him. And I said, why, what happened? And she said, he has been pulling down my undies and he has been showing people my undies and my bottom. And I was horrified because I was like, so. yeah, I was like, what? At the same time, you're thinking, oh my God, this kid's like probably three or four, like yeah. has no idea what he's doing, you know? But I was like, did you tell anyone? Did you tell the teachers? And she couldn't really. And then she sort of changed the subject. And I said, Danny, I just want to finish this conversation with you. And she said, I don't want to talk about it anymore. And I said, okay, that's all right. Well, I'm going to talk to the teacher about it and just find out what's happening. And she said, okay. So I dropped her off this morning and then I went and spoke to one of the teachers and I just said, you know, this is what happened. And my daughter told me and she was really kind of upset about it. And I just kind of wanted to raise it with you because I really believe that we should be teaching our children from a very young age sort of boundaries and respect and that sort of thing. And can you keep an eye on it? Like, what are your thoughts on this sort of thing? And how can we teach our kids? You know, you did a damn good job. Like, oh, thanks, Pinky. She know, no, but she knows that you've got her back. That you said you were going to talk to the teacher about it. That you didn't overreact. It was like you say they are just little children, but mm. we still need to give kids the message that they own their bodies. They have a right to refuse any unwanted touching whatsoever, and. It can be tricky because you really do need to talk in your own family about consent because, you know, as a grandparent, your kids are delicious and you just want to give them a big hug, um, yeah. you know, and sometimes they may not want it or your breath might stink. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> you know, there can be all sorts of reasons why kids don't feel like being touched or hugged or whatever and talking about it and, you know, grandparents, people in the family, but also... Um, you know, talking to the child about, you know, oh, but that's that's your private parts, you know. Yeah. Covered by your underwear is your private parts. And just teaching them those things, matter-of-factly, at teaching opportunities and setting role modelling for them. You know, okay, so you don't want to give granddad a hug, but how about a high five? You know, so you've given yeah. that child permission. Not forcing them to give someone a hug. Not forcing them to give people hugs and kisses, which can be very difficult depending on your own family culture. Yes, I think it's, I used to do that, you know, I used to be like, if someone in my family wanted to give her a hug and she was like, no, I was like, come on, give him a kiss. And then I thought about it, I was like, why? Teaching her to, you know, do something. Comply. Yeah. Yeah. We give them really mixed messages about compliance and consent. And, you know, or maybe a little old lady touches the child's hair, pats them on the head, you know, they've got these bouncy, beautiful curls and someone <laughs> pats their hair and says, and that can be a real surprise. But maybe you can say to the child, even though she's already touching the child, you know, oh, this lady thinks your hair's so lovely and soft she wants to touch it. Is that okay with you? Yeah. You know, and, and you're sort of, you're still, even though the child may not respond, you've given the child that message that, she deserves to have permission and you're also educating that stranger yes yeah it's funny I think people don't think no they don't it's like when you're pregnant and suddenly your stomach is public property and you're like who are you (laughs) why are you touching my tummy (laughs) my belly it is yeah and we you know I think we've got quite a long way to go about educating people but it's really important for children and particularly if you're in a um you know if you're in a single parent family you may be more vulnerable from you know predators are usually people that the child knows they're not necessarily a stranger you know as far as sexual yeah. abuse goes I'm taking it one step further I've actually done the um protective behaviors training with Victoria police quite a few years ago just 
I was writing for one of the newspapers and I wanted to write an article. So I went along to this, you know, full couple of days on protective behaviours. And it's fascinating when you think how, you know, children who are really compliant, they're the ones that the predators pick on. Yeah. You know, and there's probably nothing that child can do at that time. But you can teach them about consent and you can teach them that if somebody touches their private parts, all bets are off, they're allowed to yell and scream. Yeah. Scratch, whatever. You know, it, whether it's a friend, whether it's another kid at kindy, they can say, don't touch me, I don't like it. Yeah. You know, and hopefully, or they can tell the teacher, you know, that's okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. And I think also about just teaching our boys and our sons that I don't have one, but you know, that oh, there are cool. boundaries and we just can't go around touching people and, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and, and you know, consent is important for any, you know, boys, girls. Yeah, whatever. boys and girls. That boys and girls because, I mean, little boys can be. Yeah, you're right, yeah. Subject to predators too. But, you know, we can model that for our children and, you know, be respectful, even, even with things like nappy changing, you know. Yeah. Talk to the baby about what you're doing. You know, yeah. it's not optional to have your nappy changed if you've got a big bag of poo in there, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> I need to change your nappy because you stink. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to lie on the change table or the floor? You know, yeah. even, even giving them a little bit of, um, you know, autonomy. But, um, yeah, talking to them about their bodily parts and, you know, like a massage for a baby. You know, ask them permission. Yeah. Like a massage, you know. And you, I've even seen seven and eight-week-old babies, when you rub the oil in your hands and give them a visual cue and you say to them, would you like a massage, you're rubbing your hands in front of that baby's face, they will open their arms and give this open body language if they're ready and they'll put their little toe up in the air, you know, because you're starting Aww. with their feet. They will give you that signal once they know what you're doing um, that it's okay if they you know, aren't interested, you can just say, maybe you don't want one right now, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, even children, you can, for touching, you know, little hard sack rubs, um, you know, you can try making, offer them a pizza on their back. That's a really fun thing to do. You know, would you like me to make a pizza on your back? And they choose the imaginary ingredients. You use those strokes that match, you know, spreading, chopping, stroking, sprinkling, rubbing that pizza really hard, making it warm, and then slice it up and gobble it up. But you ask the child first. And you yeah. give them lots of opportunity to say yes and no to, you know, just touch. Yeah, I love that idea. That's really nice. Yeah, just bring like starting from the very beginning. Yeah, yeah. Just teaching them their bodies their own and they have um a right to refuse unwanted touching. Yeah. If it doesn't feel well, even little things like around consent, look, I watched some school children, one of my kids was um, you know, doing swimming lessons at school and I was one of the mums that went along and um the kids were supposed to jump off the edge of the pool into the water and one little boy didn't jump. He obviously became frightened. The teacher picked him up and dropped him in. I went, you cow, what yeah. the effing hell are you teaching this child? And I actually reported it to the principal because I thought, you bloody bitch. But, yeah. you know, a kid may not want to jump in the pool and you're saying to them, okay, you're not ready to do this. How about, you know, we just splash in the baby pool or splash in the small pool or we go and do something else or we blow bubbles together you know let them if they feel unsafe at any time it doesn't just have to be about touching their definition of safety is what you respect yeah 
That's brilliant. Um, that's kind of all I really wanted to ask you about today. But if anyone wanted to get your book, I know you can find it pretty much everywhere in the bookshops, and it's also it's also available on your website. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then otherwise obviously through your website I imagine you can get it as well absolutely at pinkymckay.com brilliant and I'll put that link in the show I've also got some lovely recording series interview series where I interviewed experts terrific toddlers um I've got one on gentle discipline which I really want to update I really want to um do another series on that yeah um but I mean, if people join my newsletter or hop on my Facebook page, they'll see when I'm ready to do that because it'll probably be early next year. But um, I've got one on terrific toddlers and I've interviewed people like a speech therapist, um, an occupational therapist talking about sensory issues with children, you know, someone about, you know, a dietitian about nutrition. So I've got a real mix of people, you know, an early childhood educator about learning with children. So it's that extra, you know, those extra recording packages that, if you haven't got time to read, it's quite good to also, you know, listen something like that and listen like a podcast. Yeah. Um, you know, that you've, that you've got a little bit of extra enrichment um, around parenting because we all need support. Totally. Mm. And, and I always love to interview people that have got that gentle perspective because I think there's enough conflicting information out there. There's so much. Such divided um I guess, amongst family members even, you know, someone will say you should smack that child or someone else will say put them in their room, um, you know, and, and your head, it's hard to keep your confidence up. And I think if you've got something you can just flip back into and go, oh, yeah, that's okay, I'm, you know, I feel okay with this, I'm comfortable with this. And anything that you read, you know, always put it through your filter. Is it safe? Is it respectful? And does it feel right for us? Yeah. Because you've got an individual child and you're an individual yourself. And like you said in your book, which really stood out to me, is you are the expert on your child. Absolutely. Yeah. You've got to go you with your gut. over that power. You've got to trust your, trust your gut and trust your child, you know, if they're really having. And I, and I think remembering the thing, it's my child isn't being a problem. My child is having a problem. And if you come from that perspective, you can work with what's going on rather than just think, oh, you sort of a kid. Yeah. I need to fix you. You really, what's happening underneath and trying to, you know, they're going to be, you know, they're going to be cheeky. They're going to, you Annoy know, the hell out of us. <laughs> they're going to be demanding. They're going to, and often, often little kids' behaviour, when it becomes inconvenient, for lack of a better word, mm. people will tell you it's behavioural. As though mm. your child's motivated by, you know, some sort of malicious intent and you go, of course it's behavioural, it's actually a communication, you know, that something's happening for this child or they have the need that they need to meet. Um, maybe they're not, you know, they haven't got the experience to meet all these needs appropriately. Yeah. And attention, it's really, it's an absolutely legitimate need. You know, we've used, been used to meeting the younger baby's needs because they're right there, you know, they can't get their own food or drink. And they need a lot of care to simply survive and they need close supervision to keep them safe. But, you know, as they walk and talk and become more independent, we aren't that focused on them anymore. We get on with things and we have to get on with things and they don't always have the communication skills to ask for what they need, you know, whether it's food or drink or it's an emotional top-up. You know, you need to fill up that little love tank. Hmm. So they might, you know, 
hit or grab or bite or have a meltdown. And, you know, if we can see that, well, it's almost violent, isn't it, the reaction to frustration, if we can see it as communication rather than manipulation or bad behaviour, we can stay calm and we can help them work things out. Yeah. It's, It's very easy to get embarrassed, especially if our kid does something really awful in public. Yeah, I have a big meltdown in public. It's, it's, you know, it's hard not to feel that everyone's looking at us. And look, often those looks are probably a bit of sympathy because if people have, yeah, they go, oh, I know. I've actually found it quite mixed. Some people kind of will give you a judgy look, but other people, like I know that in the past when my daughter has had a huge meltdown in public, and I've just felt like on the verge of crying my eyes out, people Mm. have come up to me and said we've been there and I really feel for you. And that has just oh, made such lovely. a difference to me. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. thank you. <laughs> yeah. That's lovely, isn't it? Yeah. It's so know, nice. It's not, it's not like you plan to, you know, have a, and, and the child, it, it might be the first meltdown they've had all week. Yeah. You know, and it's just been that the shopping centres, too many bright lights, too much noise, their blood sugar's low because they really need their lunch or they've yeah. missed their afternoon nap and they're ready for it or who knows what's going on for them. But, you know, they lose it and it's hard. But, you know, if we can try not to let that, you know, try and think, look, um, what other people think of me is none of my business. Even yeah. one lady made me laugh. She said her daughter did it. She lives in a fairly, an area with, you know, lots of nice, wealthy, older people. And she was in the bread shop and her kid wanted a donut or something and she said no. So the kid's lying on the bread shop <laughs> doing an absolute hark. And she just, <laughs> Said to the people who were, you know, there's all these old finishes. And some of them have probably been there too, but, you know, they were kind of giving her that she felt judged. And she said, My daughter's having a tantrum and I'm choosing to ignore it right now because I'm not going to buy her a donut. You know, (laughs) (laughs) that's fantastic. Yes. (laughs) That's gutsy. (laughs) And, you know, things like kids being rough, you know, you know talk to them like we you know give them an alternative way to express themselves you know we don't hurt kitty use your gentle hands and then take their hand and show them how to do it you know there's there's lots of ways you can do things without you know don't hit the cat kind yeah. of yeah <laughs> i'll smack you <laughs> so i think you know just finding and and so that's why when i do interviews and things i i definitely you're probably like you do with your podcast, you know, but you filter who you do so that parents aren't confused, that yeah, you're not getting a whole mixed bag of, there will be a spectrum mm. of, of how people deal with things and individual children will respond differently to different ways of doing things. And you'll know if your child's, you know, if it's, what do you call it, the little Nero tantrum where they just want a bit of power and that, on, yeah, on another DVD or whether... It's really something, something else. Yeah, something else going on underneath. But thinking, my child's having a problem, not my child's being a problem. Yeah, or my child's. Why are you doing this to me? <laughs> yeah, yes, it's not about you. Yeah, not like your personal, and especially with you, like your three-year-olds, they get, um, you know, they really become like little lawyers. They can yeah. also can your four-year-olds, but you know, that's, that's yeah. another one. You know, I have a beautiful friend taught baby massage together and she was so gentle and such a lovely, beautiful, gentle, hippie sort of mum. And we one day we were discussing why people call kids terrible too. And she said to me, 
I don't get it. I said, I don't either. I really quite love two-year-olds because they don't have any intent. You know, she said, no, but I've got a fucking four-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, she was just someone, I'd not even heard her swear. And we've known each other for a couple of years. And I'm just. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> They, they become like little lawyers, don't they? Yeah. The reason with you, they their, their power of language is becoming so much stronger. And yes. again, this is another confusing time. How much do we stop? How much do we encourage? How much do we laugh about, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny. That's hilarious. It's funny though, like I actually really liked it in your book how, because I always referred to it as terrible twos and you refer to it as terrific twos. And I was like, that's really nice. It's a really nice positive and there are really terrific aspects of two-year-olds about two-year-olds because they're just so genuine I mean they haven't really thought about how they're going to wangle stuff out of you yet yeah what what you see is what you get with a two-year-old but they're so beautifully curious and learning so much and they're so delighted when you know over small things yeah I know it's really like heartwarming and it makes you kind of appreciate the little things in life yeah and if we can just slow down enough to do that you know be kind to ourselves I think is you know the biggest message and and asking you know if I don't get this done today will any small children suffer because 99% of the time it really doesn't matter exactly I love that a bit later or a bit longer or a bit something or we stop to have some fun or we play outside and splash in the water for a bit longer um, you know, it's okay. Yeah. And then we have dinner in the bath because, well, I wasn't inside for that half hour making, you know, a proper dinner. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, that's brilliant. We're about to wrap up. Would you mind quickly just telling me about booby bickies? Right. They are cookies for breastfeeding mums. And I made them when my own kids were little. I, you know, made nutritious granola and all sorts of yummy things that, um, you know, were easy and what have you. And I had a friend a few years ago who said to me, what a lactation cookie. And I said, oh, God, this recipe in one of my books, been, you know, handing it out for years. But my mother's, I see, are so overwhelmed they can't even make a sandwich because it's a yeah. lactation cookie. Who has time to make cookies? Yeah. At the bottom of the clip, you're the ambulance pulling them back up. And um, she said, why don't you make them? And I kind of, it just wouldn't go away from my head. I said, I've never worked with food. You know, like I've never produced food as a, yeah, I'm a home yeah. cook thing but I've, I've never as produced any food and it wouldn't go away and I spoke to my designer about it and he said oh my housemate manages a bakery and I went oh god I'm coming to see him and I actually found myself a mentor who'd right that same week someone a friend um in New South Wales who we'd spent time in America together doing some mentoring and um she rang me and said, oh, I've just been to this wonderful women's lunch and this woman there, you know, she sold her cookie business to someone for so many million dollars, you know, and it wasn't the million dollars I went, bing. I went, oh, give me a number. And I rang her up and said, um, thinking about making some cookies. What do I need to do? Who do I need? And she gave me the name of the food technologist in Melbourne um, and really was so helpful and I just went from there. And if I'd known the you know learning curve before I started <laughs> no way <laughs> I would have even started but 
you know, we've gone and my daughter came on board with me. She was actually a manager of a flight centre. So she's got a really good business head. She, I call her Mrs Money Penny. You know, she works out all the figures and everything else. And then last year she, uh, we started and um, we were shipping out of, you know, we had a bakery. We were shipping out of her th- third-storey flat in Sydney and she had a Yaris and she needed a loading dock. So she by then she was working, doing some flight centre work at the airport part-time and um, working with me. And um, someone said to her, why don't you go and manage your mother? And I said, look, you can do that. I said, um, but if you don't make any money, you don't get paid. Um, yeah. <laughs> so she came on board because, you know, up to that point, I, you know, you're in a helping profession. I'd been a nurse, lactation consultant. The business head wasn't as good as it could be, you know, like commercial stuff. Yes, I'd done mentoring and I was really great with, you know, um, tele-seminars and writing books and things like that. And I had worked in the media, so I knew about promotions. But to actually, you know, run an actual real business and make it proper and tick all the boxes and things, I needed her expertise anyway. And so she would get the biscuits delivered to the loading dock at the airport. She would take several Yaris carloads of a pallet of Bickies up to her third floor flat, which was a walk-up, no lift. Yeah. And then gradually her, as we grew, her um, apartment got full <laughs> in the spare room when her housemate, you know, moved out with a partner. And <laughs> me and back 12 months time she said we need a warehouse so I went okay get a warehouse and so but she was working out of Sydney and she had staff up there you know we started employing staff and um last year she um was her partner her boyfriend at the time fiance um got a job with Emirates so he was moving to Dubai so she was going to move to Dubai so you know they had to get married because you can't live in Dubai if you're not married and I went Oh, my God. And my daughter-in-law said to me, so what are you going to do with booby bickies? And I said, um, I don't know. Look, we have to sell it. We have to sell it. My relationship with my daughter is more important than any business. And I was actually quite sick at the time. I have Graves' disease and it had flared up. It's an autoimmune disorder. Oh and um, she said, what do you want to do? And I said, look, I'd really love another business partner, you know, another Sarah, because I said, I think that's what we really need. And, you know, my, I've become quite good at business, you know, this sort of business stuff by then, you know, we yeah figures and facts and everything that we needed to do. And um, her best friend, Kim, I knew very well. She's actually an HR consultant. She said, give Kim a ring. And I rang Kim and she said, stop right there. I'm interested. I said, what, what? And so I have this new business partner, 12 months, um, a bit longer than a year actually, probably about 15 months. Kim and I have been working together. Sarah's still our Miss Money Penny, but she does that from Dubai. So she does a bit of remote stuff and ordering and, you know, liaising with bakeries. And we've done the whole changeover. We've got now with Australia's biggest um, bakery there is. And um, keep up the supply. And we're doing really well. But I love the fact that we're sharing breastfeeding information on our Booby Bicky's Facebook page. We're supporting mothers who want to breastfeed and we're getting beautiful feedback from mums who third and fourth babies and I think it's so gutsy if you've had a disappointing breastfeeding experience with babies one two three and you give it another go and face that grief again how gutsy is that yeah absolutely and these women are managing their breastfeeding you know we're getting oh my baby's six months old and I'm still breastfeeding or my baby's a year old and 
I didn't manage it with my other kids, you know, and it's just so beautiful. And the Vickies have lactogenic ingredients. There's, there is lots of research out of Europe, places like that, around ingredients that actually help support um, your hormones that help with breastfeeding, that help with, you know, they'll help with prolactin production or your oxytocin, the breastfeeding actual hormones. So um, they are helping mothers boost their milk supply and that's always important to go and get any underlying issues addressed yeah sometimes mothers haven't had that tongue tie diagnosed or um you know they're very stressed i've had one mum recently who was going through a domestic violence situation and mm. you know was living out of home until things were sorted and the man was moved out and she was obviously very stressed her baby wasn't gaining any weight and she started eating the booby because and that gave her enough of a boost to get through that time that so she because everyone else was telling her the health professionals saying you've got to give your baby formula now and yeah she ended up not having to give her baby any more top-ups you know she could mm. stop top-ups and fully breastfeed and she's so proud of herself now yeah that's amazing that's so really, I, I really love great. that side of it yes the bickies is you know really good but it's also good to see that mums are feeling confident and feeling empowered yeah um, it's fantastic you know, they've got another thing in their toolbox and they're all individually wrapped so they can chuck them in their handbag and off they go you know so that they're, they're a good nourishing snack because i think again and they're bickies how good are bickies yeah bickies they're not <laughs> you know you're not swallowing a stupid pill <laughs> yeah exactly mothers, you know when i go and see mothers you know they'll be swallowing handfuls of pills and you say, what did you have for breakfast? Oh, a cup of coffee. And you yeah. go, look, if you just had a decent breakfast, get yourself some porridge, you know, or yeah. boil a couple of eggs or anything, you know, and that would make the same difference probably as the dad pills. Yeah. And you can, like, have a cup of tea and have a bicky and have a relax. yourself. Yeah, because yeah. that's what I did. And even our packets, you know, as part of this learning curve, I went off to visit. Can you design me a box that looks like a milk carton? And here I am sitting there with all these major brands around. I had no idea how anyone made a carton box. And yeah. Took me all out there, um, you know, premises to show me how they, you know, flat lay the cardboard and cut it up and print it and everything else. And I mean, God, I've had a real excursion this morning. <laughs> and, and, you know, for mums on their own, if you want to start a business, you know, you really do need to reach out and talk to people and learn stuff and don't feel stupid. No question stupid. Exactly. Yeah, I completely agree. It's, you know, but go for it. I, I mean, I've, you know, quite often encourage mothers if they want to start something, you know, definitely do it. Find yourself some mentors and, you know, at the moment you probably don't have any money. So, you know, like I did, asking this woman who sold her cookie company for you know, five million bucks or something crazy. That's amazing. You know, thinking, um, yeah, and I didn't get any loans. We didn't have any investors. You know, you might be able to get a credit card for a thousand dollars and you know, start that way rather yeah. than um, you know, don't don't bet your house on it, you know, no. anything like that, because that's really uns- I find that really unsafe. So we've had no investors, we've had no loans, and it's been like the elves and the shoemaker. You know, you make some, you sell them. A little bit of profit goes back into the business and then eventually you're actually able to get a wage. I love that. I love how it's sort of a, sort of started as a family thing and, you know, it's really nice. Yeah, how many, you, so you've got five kids. They're all grown up now. Yeah. And yeah. you've got grandchildren. 
yeah, I've got three grandchildren and a step-grandchild. My daughter has, my daughter's partner has a child with a lesbian woman. That's amazing. That your must... child goes backwards and forwards, but, you know, it's all really lovely. Yeah. You must be the most amazing grandparent. <laughs> oh, we have fun. Last week I rang my daughter-in-law and said, is Rosie allowed out on a school night? The Russian ballet's coming to town and they're going to do the nutcracker. This was about three days before. I think they mightn't have sold enough tickets or something. There was a special came into my email box. Yeah. Oh, of course she can, Pinky. So Rosie and I went to the ballet. Um, Yeah, on a school night, you know. That's so cool. (laughs) But, you know, they'll ring up and and Bobby, one of my grandsons, isn't, um, he needs a bit of encouragement with his reading. So he's my texting buddy and he texts me. Oh. I'll get a message from my son's phone, call me. Like, oh God! What does Jonathan want? You know, he's very busy. Call and it's Bobby playing with Jonathan's phone, or <laughs> that all. And, and then my daughter's son is um, she's actually um, divorced, and so her eleven-year-old, you know, he'll they'll all work together. The three cousins and they'll come for a sleepover. So they'll ring each other and organise. Can they come to my place for the weekend? <laughs> Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah. (laughs) Really good fun. (laughs) That's amazing. I actually can't wait to be a grandma. (laughs) It's lovely because you don't have, like you can have all the fun and you don't have the um, ultimate responsibility. Yeah. You know, you can have all the fun stuff. Um, You know, it's just, yeah, the kids call me no rules, Nanny. I mean, I I don't go (laughs) see lollies or anything like that. (laughs) We do fun things. and. You know, it can be quite spontaneous. It can be, you know, it's nice being a Yeah. And, look, I was at my brother-in-law's funeral last weekend. Oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, but it was beautiful. His two grandchildren gave a talk and it was just so affirming. You know, they were telling about how... um, you know, the, the little, the, the brother who was a bit younger would collect snails in his garden. They'd have this snail hunt. And the sister said, I think you're old enough to know now, Grandpa and I used to smash those snails. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she said, you know, about the world of make-believe that he led them into and he's, he's had a beautiful garden and, you know, that they, they would leave things out for the fairies. And, you know, and you go... That is beautiful to hear and it's really affirming that those kids who are now in their early 20s, that's the memory they have of their grandparent. Yeah. You know, that it just makes it so lovely that, you know, you're doing these things and we're getting as much out of it as the kids, but to know that the kids are actually getting something out of it too is beautiful. Yeah, it is beautiful. Ooh. So nice. Well, Pinky, I'm going to put all your contact details and your um, website, I should say, and your Facebook pages and Instagram and all that sort of thing in the show notes. So if anyone wants to check it out, they will be in the show notes. And I just want to thank you again so much for your time. It's been amazing. Thank you. It's been a fun chat. Yeah, been really good. Thank you so much for all your advice and tips as well. It's been incredible. Okay, great. All right. Thanks. I'll see you later, Pinky. Okay, bye. Bye. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode. I loved talking to Pinky and I thought she had some really great advice and my big takeaways were always trust your gut, 
you know your child best and you've just got to go with what you know is right for your child and you've got to trust in that. And my second thing was let's take the time today, let's all do it, to just be with our children and just enjoy the moment and have dinner in the bath. Absolutely nothing wrong with that every now and then. (laughs) It's all about having fun with our children, I think. If you want to get in touch with Pinky or check out her website or her booby bickies or her Facebook or Instagram, I will put all the links in the show notes. So please check that out. And Pinky, thank you so much for your time again. I know you're a very busy lady. So I really, really appreciate your time for us single moms and loved talking about separation anxiety, actually, and trusting your gut and also about raising children with respect and boundaries, which I really, really believe in, I think is so important. So it was great to have a bit of a chat about that, especially because it's come up for me today. If you want to get in touch with me, I'm on Facebook and Instagram at Single Mother Survival Guide. So come and say hi. We'd love to hear from you. And if you want to join my Single Mother Survival Guide support forum on Facebook, you can do that via the website, which is www.singlemothersurvivalguide.com. And on the website, you can also read my blog and you can see all the other episodes of this podcast. And you can also read more about working with me if you want to do some one-on-one work or enroll in one of my online programs. So come and check it out. And yeah, please email me or get in touch if you have any questions at all. And you can also via my website book in for a 30-minute complimentary clarity call if you're feeling a bit stuck and want to know how I can help you. Would love to have a chat. Finally, if you have liked this podcast, I would love for you to rate it or write a review in iTunes. And the reason for that is that it becomes easier for new single mums to find, which I really want so they don't feel alone. So that would be amazing to do that. You just search for Single Mother Survival Guide. If you've also loved the podcast, you can also subscribe by doing this. But anyway, you click on the cover art and then you go to reviews and then you just type write a review and then you have to put in your iTunes password and then you can just rate or review this podcast. So that would be amazing. Thank you so much for the lovely reviews for those of you that have uh, already left one. I love reading them and I'm so happy that you know, this podcast helps you and that you love it so much. So you're all more, more than welcome for everyone saying thank you. You're more than welcome. I love doing this. It's honestly my passion. It brings me so much joy to spread single mom positivity and to also speak to all these amazing women and experts like Pinky. And yeah, I love it. And of course, all the single moms who openly share their stories, which I think a lot of you get a lot out of. And it's really nice knowing that there are other people going through exactly the same thing, you know, so you're not alone. Anyway, that's it for this week. Have a wonderful week and I will speak to you next week. Okay. Bye for now.